Welcome to Narrative Responsibility, a podcast about examining the meta story of your life, how well it is serving you, and how to change it for the better. I'm Elena Wolf, relationship coach and life alignment mentor, and this is this week's new perspective. Hi there. I'm so glad you're here today. This is episode nine, Why Change is Hard. This topic is kind of a coda to the series on time that we just finished up, because the heart of this idea is about how the most reliable, sustainable changes happen slowly over time. You see, there is a relationship between change and time that seems almost mathematical. Actually, effort is part of it too. So that creates three variables, almost like a time, temperature, pressure kind of relationship. There's the degree of change that you need to make, the length of time that it takes to make the change, and the amount of effort, which maybe we could also talk about as distress or discomfort that you have to have in order to make the change. And they affect each other. So for example, if you want to make a big change, but you want to put in a fairly low amount of effort, then you're going to need a long time. Or if you want to make a big change in a short amount of time, then you're going to have to have a high degree of effort. If you only have a finite amount of time, then you would have to choose either you make a big change at a big effort or a small change for a smaller effort. If you have to make a big change, you can choose a shorter time and a higher effort or distress, or a longer time and a lower amount of effort or distress. And if you only have a small amount of effort to apply, then your choice is going to be make a smaller change or put it on a longer timeline. Theoretically, yes, you could make a high effort for a long time for an even bigger change, but uh, take it from me, that is a recipe for burnout. And even though I haven't talked about this a whole lot yet, one of my, one of the pieces for me that's really important in my personal growth philosophy is sustainability and creating a life that you really want to live and be present to. And so a life where you're having to exhaust yourself all the time to keep up with these changes you're trying to make and getting burned out is not really all that enjoyable. And so, yeah, it it might be necessary every now and then, but it's probably not something that you want to commit to as a lifestyle. So let's unpack these variables just a little bit more, and then I'll talk uh, directly about why change is hard. Time is fairly self-explanatory as a variable. It is the linear weeks or months or years that it takes for a shift to become permanent. That is for a new choice or mindset or thought pattern or behavior habit to become your default, where you don't even have to think about it. That's just your way of being now. Until that new pattern is baked in, you do have to consciously put effort toward choosing it. You are in the process of changing every time you put in that effort, but it's not yet a preterite tense that says you are changed. 
So that tense different matters. You're still putting in effort to creating a change means you haven't you haven't changed yet or you aren't finished changing yet. You are not in this new form. The amount of change that you have to make is also fairly simple to understand. It's how different where you are trying to go is from where you are now. It's quantifiable, but it might also encompass more than you think on the surface. There is both the behavior, whether that is, again, like a thought or an action, but there's also underlying beliefs and established neural connections, things that you do on autopilot without even consciously thinking about them, and flow-on effects that impact the rest of your life in ways you might not have considered. For example, let's take a really simple goal of wanting to drink more water. Maybe you find that you're getting dehydration headaches a bit, or you read somewhere that it helps your skin stay youthful and you're, you really want that. So whatever your goal, whatever your reason, your goal is to drink more water in a day. So there might be flow-on effects like having to go to the restroom more, changing your relationship to food. If you were drinking things like soda out of boredom, then maybe you might find yourself craving snacks a lot more because you still have a need for stimulation that's now going unmet because water doesn't fulfill that particular need. It might be that you are tuning in more to your body in general if you decided I'm going to stop and check in with myself every 20 minutes and see if I'm thirsty. Then while you're checking in with yourself every 20 minutes about thirst, you're also noticing, oh, my back kind of hurts or, oh, I feel kind of restless or, you know, oh, I feel like still unsettled after that conversation. And I can tell that I'm hearing the echo of those words that were said to me. So maybe all of a sudden you're just noticing more about yourself and your way of being than you ever had. And maybe you have some habits around ignoring your body signals or just grabbing for something sweet to drink like soda or sweet tea. Maybe you find that you're missing those activities or that you feel kind of ungrounded and unsettled by doing something different. Your life and your your sense of self are a little bit off kilter because you've shifted some habits. And maybe there's some beliefs that have to be confronted here too. Like if you have an underlying belief that you're not really worthy of being nurtured or that your body is a machine that's supposed to just do what you tell it and you shouldn't have to tune into it or, or baby it, you know, maybe those are coming up in kind of a confronting way and you're having to reconcile to them in order to create this new pattern of action that supports your goal of drinking more. So, you know, all of a sudden, maybe you're confronting some, some old pains or some really deep-seated coping mechanisms, and all you wanted was to stay hydrated because that makes your skin glow. Ah! <laughs> but all of those levels of ingrained patterning are part of the quantifiable degree of change that you're trying to make. They just might not be obvious because they don't seem directly related to how much water you drink, right? The fact is that as human beings, we are complex systems. Any part and every part of the system that is ourself can affect other parts of the system or the whole system. And once we change one part, then we often find that there is a need to rebalance the whole system, or at least part of it, in order to accommodate that change. 
often it feels easier to just go back to the way we were because we know how to balance the system the old way. And it's objectively less effort than having to find our balance in this new way of being. Which brings me to effort as a variable. Effort can mean any or all of the following, and maybe other things besides. Physical energy to actively carry out tasks, the mental energy to decide what to actually do, the energetic focus to remember to do it over and over again, the emotional energy and motivation to want to do it each time, and the processing energy to integrate the change and deal with the meta emotions you have about or because of the change and recognize the flow on effects and any emotions the flow on effects cause because of the change. Those types of effort add up. We only have so many good decisions in a day. Willpower depletion is a documented thing. And we only have so much attention and, and focus in a day. Emotional processing is hard on the body. It takes physical energy as well as mental energy. And our bodies have a finite amount of energy per day. Making new neural connections is also energetically expensive. It's basically taking a machete into the woods to clear a new trail instead of getting to use the superhighway of established neural connections that we've reinforced a hundred or a thousand times over. Yes, after we hack through the first time, it's a little easier to come through the next day. And eventually that becomes a clear path and then a road and then in time its own superhighway. That's the point where we have changed. We are changed. We don't have to think about it anymore. Our default is that highway and we just run our thoughts down it. But it takes effort the whole time to get there. And all of this takes energy. So now that we have the different variables understood a little bit better, let's look at why people might resist change. First of all, someone might not see a problem with where they are in the first place. Therefore, they have no energy to put toward making a change because they don't see a need to make a change. Second, you might have someone who doesn't really know that change is possible. They might not love where they are, but they can't envision anything different, or it hasn't occurred to them that they can actively change where they are. So it's not that maybe they wouldn't, it's that they don't know they can. Third, you might have a situation where someone doesn't believe that change can be real and lasting, so they don't see a point in trying. This is less of a you haven't thought about it and more of a you don't believe it's possible situation. Fourth, you might have someone who doesn't see a solution. They are aware that change is possible and they might not like where they are, but they can't see the way that they want to be. So they don't have a pathway toward becoming something different or having a different situation. And because they don't see the pathway or they don't see the direction to go, then they feel like they can't take an action. Fifth, you might have someone who doesn't know what to do to create the change they would like to make. And so they stay stuck where they are. This is someone who knows they can change, sees what they would like to change, but doesn't know how to do it. Sixth, you might have someone who feels scared of change. 
It feels like too much or like something they can't handle or like they might lose more than they would gain and so they don't want to try. They're more comfortable staying where they are. You might call this a fear that change would make things worse than the status quo. And remember that our minds are more than capable of fearing the unknown just because it's unknown. We like our comfort zones. Seventh, you might have someone who fears or actually gets and feels it in real time resistance or pushback from other people around them when they try to make a change. And that negative reinforcement or that negative kind of punishing pushback makes them give up in response. And finally, you might have someone who understands either from experience or observation or just kind of their intuitive sense of life that change is a slow and effortful process and they might feel afraid of the amount of energy or effort that would have to go into it or they may not feel like they have that energy or effort to put into it. That last perception isn't necessarily wrong because there is a lot of effort and energy that, that change requires. So I hope you can kind of see from that list that there's kind of a, a process of coming to awareness that change is possible and seeing what you want to change, seeing generally what you might want to change into, and then seeing specifically how you might make those changes or, or try to move toward that. And then recognizing that there's fears that come up that might try to stop you from actually engaging in the process of doing that work. And the truth is that change does take a long time to fully integrate. And we have to talk about integrating on both a physical and a psychological level, because sometimes we can have a quick physical world change, but then it takes us weeks or months to sort of settle out into a new balance psychologically. Or sometimes we have to sit with a, the idea of a change for weeks or months, maybe years before we have the physical world willingness to act on it. And until you've integrated the change at both levels, then you're still in the process of dealing with the change itself. You're, you're changing, but you are not yet changed. Change requires effort and consistency over time. It requires you to dig that new neural pathway and then reinforce it over and over and over again until it kind of gets settled in as your default, as your, as your new neural superhighway. And often change will not bring an immediate return. You have to trust the process and give it time before you kind of see the proof of its efficacy in the results that you're getting. That means that you're essentially having to just take it on faith, trust the process and see what happens, which is, you know, kind of hard if you're talking about investing time, investing energy, maybe sacrificing other things that you would like to do with that time or energy, or giving up things that had been really comforting to you or sources of pleasure for you in order to, to make this change. And just kind of having to take it on faith that it's going to happen and be good in the end, especially if you're not getting an immediate result that this is, yes, immediately good for you. So to go back to our water example, 
you have all these immediate <laughs> results of I have to pee all the time. And I'm sitting here at my desk kind of twitching because I'm bored and I want something stimulating to drink. And my skin doesn't look any different. You're getting the negative impacts immediately. And it takes six weeks for your skin to start glowing and, and looking more supple, right? So you have to just commit to that six week process and decide at the end of that time, whether it was worth it, whether you want to keep going. You know, change also often shows a subtle progress rather than big dramatic shifts. You may find, you know, six weeks to six months to a year that, yeah, your skin does look better and it, it, it was worth it, but it was not a day-to-day -day thing where, oh my gosh, I drank 80 ounces of water yesterday and I just woke up glowing today and it was an overnight kind of change. I was like, that no, a year later, I don't look any older or maybe even look younger than I did on my last birthday picture. That's kind of cool, but I wouldn't notice the change in the mirror every day. Sometimes change also requires a learning curve and a phase of being kind of bad at the new way of being. If we don't know how to be a beginner at something, and if, we're, if we don't know how to be a good student, sometimes we want to make change mean something kind of cruel about ourselves, like I'm dumb, or I'm incompetent, or I'm a failure, because I'm trying to make this change, and I'm not getting it right away, or I have to keep trying or something like that. But when you understand that change is a process, learning is a process, and that there's just a certain amount of recalibrating to a new way of being that comes with it, then you're not going to, to turn any setbacks or any not immediate successes into a story about yourself. It's just like, well, that's part of the change process. It's not always clean and it's not always immediately successful. Change can absolutely be a back and forth, kind of like two steps forward, one step back type of process. And it's not also a strictly linear process where if I put in a plus two effort every day for 10 days, at the end of that time, I'm at plus 20. It might be that you put in a plus two effort, but at the end of 10 days, you've only gone up two. I mean, it's still progress, it's still change, but the relationship between effort and time and change is not necessarily linear, even if they are related and interrelated. In other words, change requires regular, ongoing efforts on faith, because it might take weeks or months to see and feel results. This is hard for people. Why? Because human minds are wired to want fast results. We have this desire to see our effort result in an immediate impact on our environment. That is really satisfying to us. That gives our brains neurochemical rewards to see. We are actually fairly good at using short-term energy bursts that come from emotion and like high motivation to act and to get us into action, but we're not especially good at making a sustained effort over time unless we understand going in that what we're trying to do requires that. But if we can get used to keeping a constant effort of like 1% change and integrate that effort as part of our way of being, then it'll be normalized to us. It won't be an extra effort for us to keep growing and keep changing and keep 
showing up in our day to day in a way that supports our future self and builds the habits and the the life that we want our future self to have. So it's actually a pretty high value, high leverage tactic to get used to making a constant effort toward change. Once that's normalized, it doesn't feel like an effort. It just sort of feels like what you do and how life feels. And so you can let that 1% change over time really like compound and add up. So what are some of the benefits to taking the long way to a change, to just committing to that 1% effort as opposed to trying to make a higher effort for a shorter timeline? Well, a long timeline on a change allows us to embrace change because no one step of that process is going to feel like too much to handle. Like if it's always 1%, that's always going to feel within our reach. It might be a stretch, but it's it's a it's a stretch we can reach and we know we can. So that means that we feel ready for every shift that we make. We don't feel resistance and distress to making those changes. And that means that we're not experiencing change itself as something bad or hard or threatening. And if we're not changing all that much at any one time, it makes it easier for our system to rebalance after each step that we take, after each 1% change that we make, so that the task of rebalancing our system is, is less burdensome. And going slowly and making smaller changes at a time allows us to really focus on being deliberate and locking in the new habits that we're trying to grow. They truly become part of us to a point that there is no going back from having that habit or that mindset. Slow change also allows us to shift our identity in stages instead of having to do it all at once. So we feel like ourself the whole time. We're not experiencing either a a sense of imposter syndrome, like who do I think I am stepping into this role that's too big for me, or a, a sense of loss of too much of myself has been stripped away and I don't know who I am anymore. When we begin to receive external benefits from the change... So what I mean by that is something beyond the way we feel better because we're moving toward a change or being deliberate and self-directed like that in and of itself should feel empowering and good to us. But when we get the external benefits, that good return feels like a return on investment or like a harvest that we planted and watered and watched grow. So we're able to receive it a lot better than if you know, we didn't have a chance to prepare for it, or we didn't feel like we made any particular effort toward it. And finally, we have the chance to build the skills that we need to cope with the flow on effects of making changes. Let's change from the water example and say, I am your fairy godmother, and I have a magic wand, and I can throw some magic dust on you and make your relationship perfect. Like, boom, there you are. Suddenly, you're in a perfect relationship. Do you actually know how to keep it going and how to keep it perfect? Do you have the skill set for that? Is your expectation of relationships able to accommodate this perfectness? Or would you feel like you're kind of lacking in certain skills or, you know, on unsteady ground because this is a new experience that you have never had before and you don't really know what you're doing? Let's put relationships aside. What if it's your dream job? Boom. You have your dream job. 
Do you know how to do it? Have you learned those skills? What about your wildest dream hobby? Like, boom, you're a top-level cosplayer. What do you do? Do you know how to keep going with it? See, when we get over-outcome-focused and really goal-oriented, we don't think about all of the effects that achieving a particular success or goal might have on us or have on our lives. And sometimes this leads us to holding back from dreaming big dreams because we can't see how to actually do that thing or be that person. It's just too far from where we are. But for the, the version of you that walked the whole path to get there, who took every one of the steps between where you started, where you are now, and that huge success, like if each one of those steps was just a comfortable stretch and the next obvious thing to do, and then the next one, and then the next one, that version of you who walked all of those steps in between would see the final step into that wildest dream as just the next natural piece of the sequence. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a big stretch for them because they would have built the skills and the tolerances along the way. So growing slowly and deliberately allows us to grow into that full expression of ourself. So rather than not trying because we can't see how to be great from where we are, or, you know, tr not trying because we want the image of greatness, but none of the skills and experiences that would actually take us there. Instead, growing slowly allows us to get there. It allows us to have all of the, the pieces in place in our system of self and the system of our life in order to handle that full expression of self, that big dream, that big accomplishment. And change is hard sometimes, even when it's a really good change and it's something you want and it's something that you are deliberately chasing. Let me offer a personal example here. At some point, about three months after I had healed one of my deepest wounds, I realized that it was truly gone and I would never again be a woman who had an active wound of that type. And for an afternoon... I felt this intense melancholy about that, that I had changed in a way that I could never go back. And it was really jarring for me to realize, how am I possibly feeling this nostalgia for having been wounded, for having had an active wound? That makes no sense. But in a way, it does, because humans like to hold on to things. We find safety and certainty in the familiar. It was okay for me to want to heal that wound when it was hurting me because I hadn't changed yet. I still had it the same as I always had. And the day that it healed, my mind didn't fully comprehend that it was never going to come back. And so when I finally did realize that that change was permanent, that I had changed, even though I wanted the change, I then had to cope with the psychological response that came to having changed. Where I had had certainty was now uncertain. Where I had known how to balance, I now had to learn these new conditions that would create balance. Where I had known 
how to cope with my painful wound and how to be wounded, I now had to learn how to lay down those coping mechanisms that I no longer needed in order to be this new version of me who was healed. Again, I would never have predicted or expected to have that experience of feeling nostalgia for a wound. But I did. And it's true that some shifts that we make cannot be undone. And that when you cross through one of those nexus points, an old version of you does die and fall away. It becomes impossible for that previous version of you to exist again. And the reality of that is a little bit unsettling. Most of the changes that we make can be undone. We're going to try out this new habit and give it a certain amount of time and see if we like the results it gets. And if we don't, we can always go back to what we were doing. If, for example, six months later, my skin doesn't look any different and I'm tired of the flow-on effects of drinking 80 ounces of water a day, I can go back. I don't have to keep doing that. Unless, of course, it's a change that can't be undone. And we don't always know in advance when a change is going to be something that we can undo or not. And that's why change is hard. Humans have psychological drives for sameness, stability, certainty, and skillfulness, even around knowing who we are and being a person that we feel comfortable being. And we have drives for novelty and learning and growing and exploring. We have to balance both of those forces in order to successfully change. We need enough to stay the same, to feel stable, to feel safe, to explore openness and to testing out new ways of being. But we also have to allow ourselves to be changed by the experiences that we have. We have to allow that experimentation fully in in order to find the way of being that serves both who we are now and where we want to go. Too much staying the same serves a past that no longer is, that we're not living in anymore. But too much difference doesn't serve who we are now. You don't want to sacrifice your future self on behalf of the past self, but you also don't want to sacrifice your present self on behalf of your future self either. So now that you know change is possible, what do you do? Well, you audit your life to see if you're happy with where you are now and how your now moment feels. And if you find changes that you want to make, assess how far they are from where you're starting. Consider the relationships between the degree of change and the amount of time and effort required to make it. Pick one change, one specific action that you can make today and implement it according to your preferred formula, whether that's high effort to get a shorter timeline or lower effort on a longer timeline. Take the time that you need to fully integrate that change and then pick another one. Rinse and repeat until you get to where you want to go or until you find a better destination because sometimes that happens. We start to change and then new things open up to us that we simply could not have imagined from where we were before. To make big changes is always going to require a high level of effort, whether that's because you're doing a lot in a short timeline or sustaining it over a long timeline. 
that the longer timeline is always going to be more sustainable and frankly, probably more enjoyable for you as well. If life has forced a big change to happen fast for you physically, understand that you might need a longer time to adapt psychologically and to rebalance the system of yourself to this new life than you did physically, and that's okay. Real change is an integration on both a physical and psychological level. There is an equation for change that will work for you in the situation that you're in right now. You just have to find it. That's it for today. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. You can also check out more about my work at thepatternbreaker.com or follow me on Instagram at thepatternbreaker. And until next week, what part of your story are you going to take responsibility for?